Good morning. It is good to be with you in the room and worship today, isn't it? And it's good to join you, our online family as well. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm grateful for that point right now in our message where we just finished singing. You realize singing is an expression outwardly using the body that God has given you to express what's in your soul. Uh, music is a great window to the soul. And one of the songs that we sang, Yes, I Will, I really like that song. I, I mentioned it during this season of life, how that's in my personal playlist for one of my um, longer runs that I have done during this season of life. And in part of that song, it says, um, yes, I will. I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will praise your name. Yes, I will lift you high when my heart is heavy for all my days. You know, it talks about, I will bless your name. Yes, I will. And then there's this bridge in there. And I love that bridge. This bridge um, reminds me of a particular couple of points on my run, because usually that song would be in a loop. Um, and it says there, I choose to praise, to glorify, to glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, to glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. And, and that part, I remember there's a stop sign uh, in one of my run circles on my street, and it's about a quarter of a mile from that stop sign to my house. And when it would hit that bridge, um, during this whole shutdown season of life, all that that meant for each of us as we continue to work through it. Um, man, I bust out in a full sprint that whole quarter of a mile with that part. And, and it's like just going hard because mentally I had to make a choice physically to express what was going on in my soul and what was going on in my heart. And I would sprint. It was a choice because we choose how we respond to things. We choose how our mind thinks. We choose what our hearts go toward. And we choose how our soul reflects our relationship with God. But there is an expression of it that all of us do. And the choosing of that comes out physically. And Jesus said this. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And with all of your soul. And with all of your mind. And he even said it. You shall love the Lord your God. With all of your strength. Today we're going to talk about the fourth part of who you are. And what it means to live healthy. What does healthy living look like for those who are children of God. They acknowledge that they are children of God. And they want to be healthy in their existence here on earth. Healthy is an important part of our lives. And it is a total package for us. Our world emphasizes one piece most of the time. And it's the piece we're going to talk about today. Most of our world emphasizes the physical. But there is this reality that the physical only reflects what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your soul, and what's going on in your mind. And then therefore the physical is an outflow, an expression of a healthy being. And I'm going to be very clear because I did get some feedback this week that said, okay, I knew it and here it comes Pastor, today you're going to tell us all we need to go to the gym. I'm not going to do that, I promise, okay? 
Because there is this reality that every one of us has been given a very unique situation to live in and a very unique body that has been created by God. And to be exclusive in saying that one people group is the only picture of what health looks like would be a bad misconception of who God has created you to be. Every one of us has been given a different body, but for a similar purpose. And I believe that's why most people miss out on the total health of their being. Because our hearts are not right, our souls are not right, our minds are not right. And quite frankly, most of us don't know what to do with our bodies. We don't know what it means to love the Lord our God with all of our strength. And when Jesus said that, he gave us a key to understanding what it means to love God and to be healthy. And I'll finish this series today talking about your strength. What do you choose to do with the body that God has given to you? Today, there's a few things that we'll talk about, but here's the life lesson. Uh, I'm going to show you why it's important that we love the Lord our God with all of our strength, and then what that looks like and how to get there. But it begins by understanding a very simple principle, and this one comes straight from Scripture, the key text for today that we're going to look at, and it's this, your body, my body, your body, our bodies that we have been given by God. It is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. And therefore, it deserves to be treated as a house of worship. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit that is within you. As a child of God, your body, the body that you have been given, it is a dwelling of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit, and therefore it deserves to be treated like a house of worship. When you begin to think about your strength, your body being somewhere that God dwells, where the presence of God exists on the inside, then you will begin to ask yourself, okay, how do I want to treat and use the temple of God that he has given to me to dwell within me by his spirit. And how do I want to leverage that body, whatever it looks like, whatever season of life you're in, whatever challenge it may be that you have to fight physically, whatever that may be with where you are, how do you use your body as a dwelling of God and reflect him through the physical part of your existence. Heart, soul, mind, and today we talk about your strength. So let's jump right in. Why should we love the Lord our God with all of our strength? Why love the Lord with all of your strength? Well, first of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, it says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, 
whom you have from God. And that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Wow. As Paul writes that to the Corinthians, it's very important because the Corinthian church would be very similar to some of our American concept of church. Uh, the Corinthian church, um, they did a lot with their bodies and a lot of the things they did with their bodies did not glorify God. Paul wrote the letter of Corinthians to try to help them understand what it looked like to actually be a healthy follower of Christ. And as he writes this letter to them, he has to help them understand something. Your body really does not belong to you. What you do with your body is a direct re reflection of your relationship to God. Now, just as much as that would challenge the Corinthian church back in the first century, that will challenge you and I today. Because in our culture, in our society, we approach life saying, it's all mine, it's what's good for me, it's what I want to do, it's how I feel about it, and it doesn't matter about anything else, and there could be nothing further from the truth. Our bodies... As children of God, created by God, were created for His Spirit to dwell in us. And if you go further in what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Christ, once you confess faith in Jesus as your Savior, which I know that many of you have done in this room and online, but once you have done that and your soul has become right with God and your heart is being cleansed before God and your mind is being purified by the mind of Christ, then there is this reality for you as a Christian, someone who confesses Jesus. You have become a vessel of the Holy Spirit. The greatest reflection of your salvation is that God sees fit to plant his spirit in you as a child of God and seal up your soul, your heart, your mind in salvation. And all of that is expressed and hidden within your body, within your flesh. And therefore, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and it's a great reminder for you and I today, our bodies were bought with a price. You were bought with a price, he says. Obviously, what's the price? The price of Jesus on a cross shedding his life, his blood for the salvation of all that we are. Not just your soul, not just your heart, not just your mind, but also the temple of your body, which is going to be your greatest vehicle to express your love for God. That is going to be your greatest vehicle to use. And therefore, Paul writes to them, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And we do not belong to ourselves. We have been bought with a price. Therefore, he says, glorify God with your body. Glorify God with your body. It's a very important thing for us to grasp because that goes way more deeper than how you look or how much you might have and cover and wear with your clothing or how many times you go to the gym. 
That is very, very shallow if we approach life that way. Your body is way more than that. It is a temple of God, therefore a house of worship to be used out there as a place to reflect his glory that is within us. Number two, our, our bodies then are our vehicle for worship. Your body is your vehicle for worship. It doesn't matter what shape, what package, what culture. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter whether you are a fit specimen or an unfit specimen according to other people. All of that, sit that aside. Because in reality, your body given to you by God in the state that it is right now, that is your vehicle for worship. It's not somebody else's body that's the vehicle for worship. It's the strength and the body given to you currently. In whatever shape, whatever form, whatever status you may feel right now with your body, that is your vehicle. And the vehicle can be used regardless of what you're going through or how you think about it or what people say about where you are. That is your vehicle. And your body is a vehicle to be used to worship the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, a great passage. Very easy because many of us have memorized this. You know this passage. Romans 12, 1 and 2, but 1 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. New American Standard, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, right? To give your bodies to God as a holy, living, acceptable sacrifice. Your body, sacrificed and given to the Lord, is how you worship him. Do you realize there is nothing that you can accomplish or do in this life disconnected from the body that's been given to you? The way that you express your worship to the Lord, and this passage is very clear, is, is not that I'm thinking about God. I love God, but nobody will see it. My soul belongs to God through Jesus. All of that is hidden. And if it's hidden, it doesn't show up. And if it doesn't show up, then you are eliminating the number one way to express everything that is hidden within your being that God has done for you. If you do not use your body as a vehicle of worship. Now, yes, obviously, that means worship through singing, worship through expression to God, worship through prayers that are passionate and real and real in your relationship with God. But it also means how you live, how you use it. Your life is a living sacrifice. Just as Christ sacrificed for you, so too your life. So that means not just when you're in church or singing church songs. Your life is a vehicle for worship. 
all of your life. How you work, how you play, how you interact with other people, how you live in the body, leveraging the vehicle that God has given for you is an expression of your worship. Wow. Therefore, this temple is to be used as a vehicle of worship. Number three, here's why we should love the Lord, our God, with all of our strength. Very simple. These bodies, our bodies, they do not last forever. That's one of the greatest reasons that we should learn to love the Lord our God with all of our strength while we have it. Because ultimately, it's going to wear out. There is a time where this body will not function well anymore. Many people have been impacted by the virus during the season of life. Some of my dearest friends, they're still not back to full health. You never know what's going to happen to your body. And you need your body as a vehicle to live. Therefore, to put it in the right perspective, knowing our bodies don't last forever, that creates a motivation inside of us to recognize, okay, I have to use this body while God's given it. However it is, whatever shape, form, function it is in currently, or wherever I want it to be, I have to recognize it's not going to last forever. So therefore, I need to use it well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 through 44. Look at this. The body that is sown perishable. You ever bought anything perishable in the store? It means it doesn't last forever, right? But the body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. The body that is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. The body that is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it will be raised a spiritual body. But the, the category that Paul is helping us understand when he writes this is that our body currently, it's limited. It doesn't last forever. This is a passage that I remember from my grandmother's funeral years ago because as ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, began to ravage her body and she began to lose the ability to speak and she began to lose the ability to control the muscular function of her body and as we as family watched her deteriorate literally into nothing until the day that Jesus called her home and she was a God-fearing, Jesus-loving woman. So we know where her soul was. But her body did not last forever. But I can tell you something about my grandmother. While she was alive, she made sure that she expressed total love to her grandkids. In our ups and in our downs, she was always there. And even in her elderly years, she made sure that she was a support for us Every holiday, she was there. I mean, now, yeah, she might make some new recipes that we would all laugh at. And my family right now is going, yeah, I remember that one, right? She was always there, always willing to try something new, always willing to encourage, and always willing to make sure we had our hearts right with Jesus. She was that kind of woman. And for the days that she was given her until her body withered away to nothing, she used her body 
for the glory of God. Our bodies don't last forever. And that's why while we have them, while you have the moments now, you learn that, hey, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it's my vehicle to worship him. And it's not going to last forever. It is perishable. It has moments of dishonor. And yes, there's this reality that this passage helps us understand that it's not just all of you who feel like you're the super man or super woman of the world and you're so physically fit and better than everybody else. Listen, your body is sown in dishonor. Your body does not have the ultimate glory. It will wear out. So to get it right with God is very important. It's a very important motivation for us to understand. We have to keep our bodies as a temple of the Lord, to worship him because they won't last forever. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Who will transform the body of our lowly condition into conformity with his glorious body by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. So what's interesting is what we think is so glorious right now, Jesus looks upon and goes, yeah, it's lowly, but I'm going to transform it into something better. But how we use it right now is important to strengthen our relationship with him and to express outwardly in all that we do how we want to use this temple to bring glory to his name. It's a part of who you are. Which brings me to the fourth and final reason of why we should love the Lord our God with all of our strength. Limited bodies, they lead to an unlimited view of life. A limited body leads to an unlimited view of life. In other words, when you begin to understand this is a temple of the Holy Spirit, it is my vehicle to worship God, it's not going to last forever. Well, then I realize in my limitations, and guess what? Everyone has one. That's why this message is not about exercise. Because even the fittest have limitations. Everyone has a limitation. Your limitation, though, brings forth an awareness that with God as the center of your soul, your heart, your mind, you have unlimited potential in your life while you breathe, while you live. Unlimited living starts with us understanding how limited we are, but how unlimited God is within us. Here's a couple of passages. Philippians 1.21, Paul writes this, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's an unlimited view of life. For me to live is Christ, praise God. I get to live in this temple. But when the temple wears out, to die is gain. Both are good. He goes on and says, I could choose either one. He has an unlimited view of life. He's not just locked into what's happening today. He has an eternal perspective of which today is a part of. And how today is used impacts what lasts forever. 
And he goes on and says, hey, actually, I'd much rather be with Jesus. I'd much rather be there. But I'm going to hang out here in the body for a little while because it's good for everybody else until he says it's time to go. That's unlimited. Now think about it. That is so opposite of how we live because we live thinking this strength is unlimited. We live thinking all that we see is all that matters. But it's what on the, what's on the inside used by what people see on the outside that creates an unlimited view of life. Not limited by the limitations that you might have physically, but overcoming those things. Because you have an unlimited view of your relationship with God that involves today, but that impacts forever. Most people don't live that way. They live for what they see, not for the total package of who they are. But you are to be different. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and therefore reflected in your strength, in your body. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes this. For I have been crucified with Christ. Paul writes... I have been crucified with Christ. My relationship with Christ is as if I was put to death on a cross with him. He died for me. That's what Paul writes. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, which is what you see, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. What a powerful verse to help us understand what it means to recognize this limited body helps us get an unlimited view of life. Paul was a living dead man or a dead living man. Either way... He had given his life and his heart to Christ. He knew that he himself had been crucified with Christ, and yet he's living. And therefore, because of what Jesus had done inside of him, the life that he now chose to live, which is the same life that you now live, that life lived in the flesh. Anybody living in the flesh today? Pinch yourself. Yeah, it's real. You're here. Right. The life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith. In the Son of God who loved you and who gave himself up for your salvation. Heart, soul, mind, and yes, what you're living in, dwelling in, in this physical tent right now, this vehicle of worship. He gave himself even up for your body so that you could use your body to glorify him. Romans 14, 8. If we live for the Lord, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. That's Paul's answer to the Roman church who, by the way, that passage talks about judgment. Now, it's funny because we live in a world that says, don't judge me. Don't judge me for this. Don't judge me for that, right? You can't judge me. I'm doing what I want. Paul's answer for the whole judgment thing is that, listen... It's not an issue of judgment. A matter of fact, if you use your body for the Lord, it eliminates judgment against you. Because the reality is, you're not worried about what you eat or what you drink. 
and you're not worried about what other people say about what you eat or what you drink, and so far everybody's going, yeah, stick it to the man. And then he says, because you belong to Christ. Yeah, Paul, come on, man. Like, like we, we like the part of, of being able to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want. I don't care what you think about it. I'm going to say what I want. I don't care what you think about it. I'm going to act how I want, and I don't care what you think about it. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Your unlimited life depends upon the reality of acknowledging that you are limited under the hand of a greater authority over you. And therefore, whether you live or whether you die, what you have been given, it belongs to God. And how you use what's been given to you in your relationship with God, that's your judgment. It's not what someone else says about you or what you say about someone else. It's how you submit under the hand of the one of whom you're limited and he gives you unlimited life. That is the way that you truly begin to leverage your body to live free, healthy, and holy in the world that we know. That's why it's important. So how do we do it? How do we get to a point where we live healthy in the temple, in the vehicle, in the limited body that has unlimited potential in glorifying God? How do we get there? Well, number one, I'm going to go immediately to the one that pretty much everyone I know neglects. And this is not the part where I talk about your gym membership or whether you go walking. It's actually the opposite. The number one way that most people neglect, and I'm even going to say today specifically and boil it down for you who are followers of Jesus who claim his name. The number one way that you get healthy in your body is to utilize your Sabbath rest. To utilize your Sabbath rest. Now the reality of our world is that it spins on Sunday. A lot of things happen on Sunday. And I'm not going to lock you down into a pharisaical way of life that the people of God were locked down in even during the time of Jesus. Because there were these rules of don't do this and don't do that. And if you do this, you've sinned against God. And people were living under oppression, even on a day that was created for them to refresh themselves. But let me help you understand why this one's so important. If you do not utilize your Sabbath rest in your body, then you cannot renew your heart. You cannot renew your soul. You cannot renew your mind. And you cannot renew your strength. You cannot be healthy if you do not find a Sabbath rest. Even the Bible talks about this from the very beginning. 
for in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. And so the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their heavenly lights. But the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, because on it he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. And if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for you. If God saw fit, the almighty, unlimited creator of everything that we know and see and enjoy and appreciate. And if he set aside a time, a day to say, you know what? Here's a day to focus your heart, your soul your mind and your strength to reflect on all that has happened during the week, to get your heart right with God, your mind focused on God, your soul right with God, and your body in tune with God. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for reju rejuvenating who you are. There's a reality, by the way, that for people who are, are physically fit, who push the envelope on personal records and things like that, they never get stronger if they don't stop and recover, ever. You exercise, you exercise, you exercise, you exercise, and if you don't stop and have periods of rest where your body can recover, you do not get stronger, you do not run longer, you do not go harder. As a matter of fact, you hurt yourself. Over time, the accumulation of not allowing your body to rest adds up and you injure your temple. You desecrate your temple. Rest is a part of your being. And in the Bible, it's very clear the Sabbath was a day set aside to rest. But that's way more than just taking a nap. Exodus 20 verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, by the way, that's your fourth commandment for those of you who are paying attention to the Ten Commandments. There's the commandment. So if there were ten rules to keep for your life, one of them is remember a Sabbath and keep it holy for it is a day in which you do all of this work, but then you give that day to the Lord your God. So very clearly, a Sabbath rest is not just about taking a nap or taking a day off of work. This is why, quite frankly, most people do not appreciate the depth of what it means to go to church and worship on a Sunday. They make it another part of a to-do list and a busyness of life, and they miss what it was all about. And the Sabbath, the Sunday, the reason that we celebrate and sing and worship and dive into the Word and pray and why that should carry over to your lunch conversation and your afternoon routine and your evening routine on a day is because it is a day set aside by God for you to acknowledge who He is and therefore renew your strength, your mind, your heart, and your being. The Sabbath is why it was set aside for you. And remembering the Sabbath rest is how you live healthy in your relationship with God. 
Mark chapter 2, verse 27, 28, even Jesus thought it was important because he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, speaking of himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is to be Lord even of the Sabbath. It's not about what you eat, what you don't eat, what rules you follow or not follow. It's that you at some point get to a place where in your body you acknowledge very intentionally, very deliberately with all of your soul and with all of your heart and with all of your mind through your body, Jesus is Lord on this day and I got to rest and get it all right with him so I can make it through six more. Isn't that good? And that's how you begin to get your body healthy. You utilize your Sabbath rest. Number two, how do you get your strength? How do you love the Lord your God with all of your strength? How do you get your body in order? Well, we're going to talk right now, um, number two, about exercise, self-control. Exercise, self-control. Because self-control is really the key to a healthy body. Self-control in all things of life is the key to a healthy temple. This is very important because not everybody can exercise the same way. Some of you can run a mile. Some of you can run 10 steps. Some of you can run 10 miles. Some of you can't run at all. And that's okay because we all can exercise self-control. The Bible says this in Numbers chapter 11, verse 34. Look at this. So that place was named Kibroth Hattavah because there they buried the people who had been greedy. Pastor Michael, that's a weird verse. Well, let me, let me back you up to what was going on at that point in the book of Numbers. The people of God had been supplied and fed by God manna from heaven after they had come out of Egypt. But then they started grumbling. This is not good enough. We haven't achieved enough. We're not far along, as far along as we need to be. We're tired of your provision, God. We want meat. We want you to provide something else. So they ask God for meat. They go to Moses. Moses says, this rabble bunch, they're complaining and all that. And God says, I heard them. So I'm going to send them what they asked for. I'm going to give them the meat so that they can fill their bellies. So this flood of quail, all hovering about three feet high, flood the people. And they're all like, wow, look at what God's done. He's, gave us, he's given us all these quail, all this meat. And they gather these bushels and bushels and bushels of quail. And they eat. And they eat. And they eat. And they eat. Until most of them die. And the word that's used in this passage, the place named Kibroth Hatavai, it's actually translated graves of gluttony. Graves of gluttony. For all of the people in that moment who did not exercise self-control in their bodies, but they gorged their bodies on what was out there. And they did not let God satisfy them with the manna. They were sick of what God had given them. So they wanted more and they wanted more and they wanted more and they wanted more. And they gorged and gorged. That place is actually named Graves of Gluttony. Isn't it interesting that in our lives, it's not really exercise that's the issue. It's self-control. 
And the body has been created to function, to glorify God in a certain way. But it's all about how we control and use, as Paul would say, buffet, not buffet, buffet our bodies to make them a vessel to glorify the Lord. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. But beware in your souls that your hearts never grow cold with gluttony and with drunkenness and with the cares of this world. And suddenly it shall come upon you that day. In the English Standard Version, it says this, but watch yourselves, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation, which is another translation for gluttony, with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. That day sneak up on you like a trap that you didn't even see that was hidden in the midst of self-indulgence. Now here's why self-control is so important. I know people that live so much for their exercise that they have no identity other than that. I know people that live so much for their food. Watch out, I know we're in New Orleans, I get it. But they live so much for their food that they have no identity in their body other than that. But you were created for way more than that. Listen. In the Bible, it's very clear that exercising, self-control, it's even one of the fruits of the Spirit of God that dwells in you. It's one of those. Self-control is a way to keep your temple functioning the right way. Here's what's interesting. I didn't put this one up, but in a, in a study on exercising self-control and researching that word gluttony, which, by the way, they say the Baptist preachers never talk about gluttony. Well, here's your message. Here's your message. Because gluttony includes everything. Everything. Everything in your life that is done in excess against the temple of your body. Everything. When you go and look at the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel writes this in 1649. He talks about the sin of Sodom. Now, for those of you that are really good Bible students, I know immediately that you're thinking, yeah, I know what the sin of Sodom was, right? Yeah, I, I get that. I know why God destroyed them. But Ezekiel actually says this. Sodom was destroyed because of pride, because of laziness, and because of gluttony. Sodom was destroyed because of pride, because of laziness, and because of gluttony. And when you think about the temple of your body, pride, it will think that this lasts forever and I can do whatever I want with it, right? Laziness will say, well, I don't have to do anything to take care of it. And gluttony says, I'll do whatever I want to do, and I don't care what God thinks about it. And that incorporates every area in the lack of self-control over our temples, which lead to our temples functioning less than as a house of worship and becoming desecrated, deteriorating, falling apart and dilapidated because we're not willing to exercise self-control over the temple that God has given to us. So before you go and single out this sin... Or that sin, or someone else's sin, 
even in Scripture. Gluttony and the lack of self-control is what desecrates every one of our temples every time. And I realize that's really hard to do for us in New Orleans, especially when they start rolling out those king cakes. I get it. A slice is not going to kill you, but you eat the whole thing at one setting, that is just not good for your temple, okay? Oh, and by the way, then that day sneaks up on you like a trap, right? And you feel like a grave of gluttony because it's like, oh, that sugar and that cream cheese. And, whoo, let me get another one. Yes, in Jesus' name, I'm going to fill it up. And all of a sudden, your temple is not functioning at optimum level to bring glory to God. Now, listen, that may be where you're living right now. I'm getting a few amens in the room for those of you who are online. And your temple may not be there yet, but today we'll teach you how... Do I get my temple back in check? Because it is a house of worship. And for it to function the right way, I have to exercise self-control. Number three, make the most of the time given to you. How do I love the Lord my God with all of my strength? I have to make the most of the time given to me. I don't know how much time is given to me, but I have to make the most of it. You don't know how much time is given to you, but you have to make the most of the time that is given to you. One of my favorite verses in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14. It says this. Wake up. Wake up O sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Isn't that good? That's a quote that comes out of the Old Testament. But what a great reminder. So as, as you're hitting that snooze button every morning. <laughs> from this point forward you're going to be like oh gosh Pastor Michael. Why would you do that to me? Wake up oh sleeper. Rise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. Make the most of the time that's been given to you. He goes on and says be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You don't know how many of them you're going to get. So make the most of them while you have them. You don't know how long that skill set or that ability is going to be with you. So make sure you seize it right now while you have it. You make the most of what God has given to you right now. And you allow Christ to shine through that. That may be your working ability. That may be your athletic ability. That may be your cooking ability. That may be your ability to serve other people. It may be your way to express your worship to God. Whatever it is, don't miss a moment. Because the moments are evil. We don't know how long they are. And so therefore we got to kick this thing into gear. And make the most of time. Because you can sleep when you're dead. That's one of my favorite mantras, by the way. I'll rest and sleep when I'm dead. But while I have a life, I'm going to use it and use every part of it as best as I can to the glory of God. And whether it's eating, working, playing, use it wisely. Not unwisely, but well. Ephesians 9, 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity planning, knowledge, or wisdom in Sheol where you're going to go. <laughs> in other words, when it's over, it's over. Yeah, I get it. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. But that's the whole thing. 
Yeah, your soul, your mind, your heart, absent from the body, present with the Lord. But how you use your body is the greatest expression of it. So your wisdom, your planning, your ability, whatever it is that your hand has been given to do, do it with all your might for the Lord. Proverbs 12, 27. I like this one. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. And I just had to throw that one in there because I love to hunt, right? It's a biblical sport, number one, so get after it, right? But number two, the reality of it is for those of us who appreciate that part of our lives, we understand you get up early, you go through the process, you are up before most people in the world are even thinking about up, and you're preparing, and you're strategizing, and you're going after it, and some days you go after it and you have nothing, but eventually when you capitalize on everything that you've prepared for and you've invested yourself for, you get to indulge in the spoils of what you have invested yourself into. And there is nothing sweeter than the satisfaction that happens when you receive what you've hunted for. So what are you hunting for in your life? I mean, another translation of it from the English Standard Version, Proverbs 12. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent person will get precious wealth. So again, what are you diligent for? Make the most of your time. That's how you love the Lord your God, with your strength. Romans 12, and I'll close this one with that one. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful or lazy in your zeal, but be fervent in your spirit and serve the Lord. So one of the greatest ways that we can make the most of our time is to find a way to serve the Lord. Not to be negative, not to be neutral, but to be positive in serving the Lord and serving Him in worship and serving Him through your local congregation and church. Number four, Discover his strength in you. How do I love the Lord, my God, with all of my strength? Well, discover his strength in you. Strength looks different in every one of you in this room. Strength is different for every one of you online. Strength is different. It's limited for all of us. For some, it may seem that there's more physical. And for others, it seems like there is less. But the greatest strength that gives strength to your body is the strength of the Lord that you find inside of you. There are seasons of life that you will go through, and many of us have finished one in this last latest shutdown of life, pandemic, personal issues, whatever it is that you've been walking through. And you have found your physical strength limited. We will all find a season of life where your physical strength is limited. And that's why this isn't about a gym membership it's about your temple. And remember what your temple is. It is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in you. And therefore the strength that you need to find, that I need to find, that we need to find, is not something that is just expressed physically. It's something that comes from the inside. And we have to discover his strength in us to make the most of each and every day. Here's a wonderful Old Testament example from Judges chapter 6. Gideon. When God finds Gideon, who ends up being one of the great heroes of the Old Testament, God finds him, and he finds him hiding, covering himself up, and alone. And God addresses him and says, Hail, mighty warrior. 
Now, Gideon, let's be very real. Don't, don't mistake Scripture. The miracle of God is that Gideon was not a mighty warrior. Gideon was not a strong individual. He was hiding. He was isolated. He was alone. He was afraid. And God says, hail mighty warrior. And when Gideon began to tap in to the strength of faith, believing in what God would do with him, he accomplishes some great things. And by the way, he does it with a very few number of people. That's the miracle of the strength of God. Tap into the strength of God on the inside and you will accomplish great things on the outside. Right? We also see Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 and 31. One of my favorite passages. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those, that's all of us, who hope in the Lord, we will renew our strength. We will soar on the wings of eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint. Where does that strength come from? Does it come from the fact that you can bench press or you can cling or you can throw up X number of weight or you can run 10 miles? No, those that hope in the Lord. Some of your translations will say those that wait on the Lord. And all of that is an expression basically of those who trust in the Lord. So on the inside, if you're placing your trust in the Lord, that will renew your strength. It will renew your spirit. It will renew your heart. It will renew your mind. And therefore, then your body, you will set it in motion eventually to be a vehicle and a vessel to glorify God. That's who you were made to be. And that brings me to the last verse. Because one of the most popular ones that many of you would claim, you might write it somewhere, you might know it, it might be something that you have in your heart, or maybe you use it in your sporting events or at your business, or maybe you use it in the kitchen or in life, or maybe this is just a mantra for you. But Paul writes this in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You were made in the body to accomplish whatever it is that is a reflection of worship from your heart, from your soul, from your mind, to be expressed through your strength. And with that, you are a temple created by God, not to be desecrated, but to be used in reverence to your maker, a vehicle, a vessel, to worship him, to use this life as much as you can squeeze out of it for his glory, to use it, to interact with him, to show it, to live it, to be a vehicle of worship through whatever it is you've been given to do. And that has nothing to do with your exercise. It has all to do with where your heart is, where your soul is, where your mind is, and therefore how you will then move forward healthily using your body in whatever capacity to deliberately and intentionally worship your God and your maker. Can I pray with you? Father, I thank you for every person right now of every walk of life. God, I thank you that you have given us vessels, vehicles in which to live and to bring you glory. 
For one, it looks one way. For another, it's another way. But thank you for the beauty and the kaleidoscope of people and the tapestry that you have made for all of us in our beings to be healthy in our relationship with you and to worship you. So God, I thank you today that you have men and women, students, people processing with their hearts, their souls, and their minds how to express that through their strength. Strengthen your people in the name of Jesus.